Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. It's such a neat message today, but those of you that know me know this is a little unconventional one. It's just a little different take on some things, and not because I'm trying to be novel, but because I'm trying to get at the heart of something that I feel like God has put in my heart for us all. Let's have a word of prayer and let's open our lives. God, we open our minds, we open our hearts, we open our spirit to you right now as an act of our will, just like Moses when he saw that burning bush and your word says that he turned aside. God, we're turning aside from our regular hubbub, our regular life, our regular rat race. We're turning aside and God, we're quieting our soul. Father, all these things that push us just moment to moment to moment, God, we are pushing to the back burner where we're going for lunch, what we got to do this afternoon, what the next week looks like. We're pushing that all aside to make room, to make time for you to talk to us. So God, please talk to us. Speak to us this morning through your word, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everybody wants to hear him said, Amen. Amen. All right, last week we kicked off this sermon series that I'm really excited about. I hope you are. How God speaks to us. And we kind of laid to rest some things that we needed as as ground rules. One is the fact that scripturally and realistically, God still talks today. He is not sitting up in his heaven with his arms folded going, do the best you can, just I hope you make it. No, God will speak and he will speak to us. The other thing we talked about is, just like natural children, we don't have to learn how to hear. You don't have a baby and then start teaching them how to hear. They can hear when they come out. But how many of y'all that ever had a child know teaching a child to hear is not the point. But boy, they can hear all day long, but you've got to teach them to listen. Anybody anybody here got a husband? You've got to teach them. I'm just telling you. You've got to teach people to listen. They can hear all day long. And we ended up the message last week with a physical example of a radio. And, and the truth of it is, guys, there's country music in the air in this room right now. There's political talking in the air in the room right now. You can't hear it because you're not plugged in and you're not tuned into it. But if you would plug in and tune a device where it could pick it up, we could all hear the country music. I can't imagine singing about, you know, she took my pickup truck at 11.15 in the morning, but there are people doing it, so... God bless them. But there, we don't get what we don't tune into. And we got to have a power source. So that's the fundamentals. That's what we said. But before we start jumping into next week, we're going to jump into some nuts and bolts of how does God talk to me? How should I expect to hear? How do I know for sure it's God? All these questions that are great questions. There's a couple questions we got to answer first. And these questions are what I call global filters. These questions will be the filter over everything we do in this series. And it should color and it should inform everything in this series. So I want you to think about this. Two questions real, real, real up front. And both of them start with the same word. Why? Not how. Not when will God talk to me. Why? First, why would God talk to you? Why why does he want to talk to you? And secondly, why you want God to talk to you? 
What's your motivation for trying to get God to talk? What do you want out of Him? And more importantly to me is why would God talk? Is there any need for God to talk? My sweet mother, many of you knew my mother before she went home to be with the Lord. My mother was raised Episcopal, and she was Episcopal till the day she died. Now, she got saved in this church. Well, actually, she got saved because the former pastor of this church went and saw her in the hospital and somehow connected with my mother. I tried for years and years. I was a minister of the gospel for like 30 years. My mother never got it. Daryl Alley goes and visits her once. She gets it. She gives her heart to the Lord. I go to the hospital to visit her, and she points at Daryl and says, that's my pastor. I was like, what the? And Daryl, y'all know Daryl, sweetest guy in the world. Daryl said, you have got the best pastor as a son. You have got a wonderful pastor. And my mom goes, I know he's all right, but you're my pastor. Dagnabbit. Guys, my sweet mother, God bless her. My sweet mother believed and taught me as a child that God was disconnected. That he wrote the book, left us the book. He died for our sins. He paid the price. And honest to goodness, he's kind of an absentee landlord. He's expecting you to just do the best you can. And he's just going to... And at the end of all things, he'll judge you for it. (laughs) At the end of the whole thing, he'll pull up the report... And say, well, let's see how you did. But my mother, honestly, my mother taught me as a child about prayer. My my mother said these words. You don't bother God with the small stuff because he's busy. My mother told me that. And as a kid, there were all kinds of things I would never pray about because I thought, well, you know, he's a busy guy. I saw Bruce Almighty. I mean, I saw how many emails he gets. And God's a busy guy. How many of y'all know the Almighty can handle it? And God is not an absentee. But, but think this through with me. Why would God talk to us? And more to the point, why are you asking Him to talk to you? What do you, what are, what's your motivation? What's His motivation? Because these motivations color everything about how God... If you are convinced that the basis for God talking to you is direction and correction, that will color what you hear from God. If that's all you think He's going to say, then that's all you'll hear. Because I'm here to tell you, I would venture to say 99.9999999% of the folks sitting in this room and watching online, you have heard the voice of God sometime in your life already. And you may or may not have any clue that's what you're hearing. Because He does talk. But what's His motivation? What's He after? So let's put it in the simplest of terms. Why did God save you? Why, does God, why, why would God take the trouble? Uh, let me ask it to you this way. If you were God, And you started off with two people. And they messed it up so bad that you knew to redeem them it would cost you the life of your only son. Is there anybody in here other than me that would have just wiped the slate clean and started over? 
I mean, I, I got two people and they can't get it right. And God in His infinite wisdom looks down through the ages and realizes ain't none of them going to get it right. Not a one. I don't think you're better than Adam and Eve. Well, Pastor, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't have ate no apple. <laughs> yes, you would have. Anybody here sinned since you got saved? Don't tell me you wouldn't. Of course you would. Why would God go to the trouble of saving you? Let's have some audience participation. Somebody, why? He loves us. God loves us. Anybody else got a reason? Fellowship. How about this? He wants to keep us out of hell. He wants to, he wants to take care of us. He wants to... Guys, put it to you this way. Look at the next question I got up here. Uh, what exactly need, what need does God have that He meets by saving you? Well, my first response is, well, God doesn't have any needs. Anybody other than me get outdone with preachers who preach the pitiful Jesus altar call? I hate the pitiful Jesus altar call. You ever been in a pitiful Jesus altar call? Jesus is just waiting for you to come, and if just one of you would come. Jesus is so, he's just alone, and he's sad, and he's pitiful, and Jesus needs you to come. Y'all, in this equation between us and God, there is one of us that's pitiful, but it ain't Jesus. It's us. Jesus ain't the pitiful one. Jesus, God has no needs. So what in the world, what need does God have that He meets by saving you? And it's worth enough to Him to pay the price to give Himself for your sins. What need is He meeting? Well, I, I submit to you that God is love. That's what the Bible says. John says that God is love. It's not that God does love. He does love. But it's not an activity he does. It's a thing he is. God is love. And what does love need? Love needs somebody to love. I'm telling you, Freddie Mercury and Queen got it right all those years ago. Find me somebody to love. Can anybody? Those of you who don't get that and were not raised in the 70s, I'm just telling you. Somebody to love. Think about this, guys. If you, had, if you were completely alone and had no relationships, you would still want someone to love. Not just somebody that loved you, but love isn't love till you give it away. And guys, this is, this, is the, this is the vantage point that our God comes from. He doesn't... God is a provider, a protector, a healer. A, he is all these things. But at his core, God truly wants you as his friend. That's what God's in it for. God wants you as his friend. It's true. God's relationship to you is a lot of things. Yes, he's our father. Amen. He's our creator, our maker, of course. At the end of all things, he will be our judge. Uh, yes, we, we don't, nobody's taking issue with that. He's our master, our provider, our healer, our savior, our redeemer. But see, every one of those things is centered on me. He's my healer. I need to heal him. He's my provider. I need to provide him. He's my redeemer. I need to redeem him. So I'm asking you, you know enough about simple relationship with people. One-sided relationships are not 
healthy. It can't all be centered on me. Something has to be for God. And what does God get out of all this? The answer is simple, and it's all over the Bible. God gets children who grow up to be cherished friends. I'm telling you, at, at this stage of my life, at those of you that are parenting kids, hold on. That's all I can tell you, because by this point, I'm just here to tell you, it gets better. And it gets some completely worth it. My daughter is 28, and hear me say this, she doesn't need me. That's a hard pill to swallow in some ways. But she has no need of me. But she wants me in her life. My daughter will call me three, four times a week. Just, hey daddy. And you know what's absolutely crazy about it? That'll just drive you the most nuts. When Amber was a child, I had a friend of mine in the church in Birmingham tell me this. I didn't understand it at the time, but boy, I understand it now. When you know the answers, they don't listen. When they're 14, 15, and you got the answer, and you're telling them, if you'll do the, or honey, if you will, I'm not trying to rule your life, but I'm trying to save you some heartache. Listen to me. They don't listen. But when it turns around, and then they finally ask, you can't answer. My daughter called me one day out of a clear blue sky, and she was like, Daddy, this and this and this and this and this and this on both sides of the issue. I'm trying to decide if, if I should quit my job. What do you think? I can't answer you, baby. I can help you talk about both sides of the issue. But dagnabbit, my friend told me the day would come that you'd ask and I won't have the answer now. You don't have the answer. By the time they ask, you don't have any more answers. It's just, I'm sure God sits up in his heaven and goes, <laughs> God wants you as an adult friend. An adult friend. Get this, guys. God saves you, yes, and loves having you as a child. But God doesn't want you to stay a child all your days. Grow on up and become an adult friend, a cherished friend of God. Think about it. First people in the world. Who's the first two ever made? Adam and Eve. Good. God put him in the Garden of Eden. Did he put him in the Garden of Eden because he needed gardeners? The Bible says there were no thorns, no weeds, nothing needed, nothing needed gardening till the, till the fall. So, and hear me say this. God didn't save you to be his servant. He's got servants. They're called angels. And at the end of all things, he's not going to marry them. He's going to marry you. Whoa, hold up, Pastor. You just took a quantum leap here. Anybody other than me ever heard the church called the Bride of Christ? At the end of all things, guys, you don't marry the servants. You marry somebody on your par with you. That means God wants us to grow on up. God wants us to go on ahead. And no, I'm not saying we become God. Please. I'm not. There are religions out there that say that. That ain't me. But I'm telling you, Guys, God didn't make people because he needed servants. He's got servants. He's got plenty of servants. What he wants is children who become cherished friends. Look at this. Before there was any religion, before there was any ritual, before there was any way to connect with God, there were no church services. There was no ritual. There was no offerings. There was nothing 
There was no read your Bible. There was no Bible. He was right there. You could talk to him. Before there was any church to go to because there was no Sunday. There was only one rule. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else was fair game. Think this one through for a second. Adam and Eve in the garden. Anything that came into their head was fair game. Can you imagine? Not having to wonder, is that a sin? Is that okay for me? If, I, if it came into your head and you were Adam and Eve before the fall, if you had the thought, sure, we could do that. I feel like mango today. Eve, you want some mango? Well, they right there. Get you one. Eve, I want to do anything you could have. There was no sin in the world, guys. There was, there's no reason to be neurotic over this. What, before there was any religion, what was there? The Bible says God was walking in the cool of the day with his friends. They heard the sound of the Lord. Go to the scripture, please. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Nobody's going to church. They're just hanging out with God. And if we read this in Hebrew, you don't hear the sound. The word's not sound. The word there in, that we have translated in English as sound, it's they heard his voice. They heard the voice of the Lord God. They know his voice because they just spend time with him. God treated Adam and Eve like friends. They knew his voice. A few years later, great-great-grandson, Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. He just hung out with God. And God liked Enoch so much that he didn't even make him go through death. He was just like, hey, you want to see these streets? They solid gold. Come on up here, Enoch. I got something to show you. I was just, you got to see this place. It is something. I, I outdid myself. I really did. I just, come on. The Bible says Enoch just walked with God. And he, they looked for Enoch and it's like, y'all seen Enoch? 300 years on this earth he walked with God. And all of a sudden, he just wasn't there because God was like, I am unwilling to live at a distance from you anymore, Enoch. Come on. Come on up here. Didn't he make him go through death to get there? Look at what Jesus said. No longer do I call you slaves. Because slaves don't know what their master's doing. But I want you to know not just what I'm doing, but know how I'm thinking. Get that, guys, out of this scripture. I don't call you slaves because slaves don't know what their master's doing. The, the same thing is in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms tells us that the children of Israel knew the acts of the Lord, but Moses knew his ways. I don't want to know God by default trying to figure out what he thinks from the stuff he does. I want him to talk to me. I want to know his ways. Jesus said, I'm not going to treat you like slaves because slaves just have to figure out what their master's thinking from what he does. Uh-uh. I'm a, I've called you friends because everything I've heard from my father I've made known to you. And the word in Greek here is not made known. The word is spoken. God is so funny about this because in both Hebrew and in Greek he's saying it's my voice. It's my, I'm going to talk to you. It's spoken. These things I've heard from my father that's what I have spoken to you. Now in, in Genesis, Isaiah, 2 Chronicles, James, all these books of the Bible, every one of them calls Abraham God's friend. And I just love this because Abraham really is God's friend. And, and, and hear me say this, guys. You don't need me to explain to you. You talk to your friends. It's like what happens between God 
and Abraham in Genesis 18. Genesis 18 is a funny chapter to me. We talked about it a little bit last week, but I want us to dig into this just a little. And I want you to get this. God says before he goes to see Abraham, am I going to hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He's my friend. Is there anybody here ever had a time in your life when you couldn't figure out for the life of you what God was up to? And you wish God would go, I'm not going to hide from you what I'm about to do. You're my friend. Let me just tell you what I'm about to do. See guys, that's, that's the relationship I want with God. I, want, I don't have to try to figure you out by what you do or don't do. I want to talk to you and have you just... T- and that's what he does with Abraham. He's about to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says God shows up with two angels, messengers. They call them men, but it's, it's actually messenger in the Hebrew. He shows up with two angels and he approaches Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm finna take Sodom and Gomorrah out. Look at what it says in the scripture. Um, he is telling them, I'm fixing to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because every thought, everything that goes on in that town is evil. Now, I, this is not sermon for today, but I feel the need to address this because especially in 2023, there's a whole set of people that have trouble with the God of the Old Testament. Because, well, I don't see how God could just be so merciless and God could kill a whole town and God could kill all these people and God could judge them all and just kill them all. Well, guys, if the book of Jonah doesn't teach us anything else, it teaches us that God is merciful and gives people chance after chance after chance after chance. And he goes way beyond to try to save. But when it cannot be saved, And when those people are only going to kill other people or drive other people into sin themselves, God will say, let me ask you a question, get you to understand this real quick. It's easy to understand. Anybody here ever had surgery or known somebody who had surgery to remove something? Anybody know a cancer patient that had surgery? I'm talking about a cancer. But pastor... Those cells that they took out of my mama, those were really healthy. In fact, they were healthier than the rest of the cells in her body. They were aggressive. They were reproducing. They were ha- How many of y'all know cancer is an aggressive thing? And when cancer cells start multiplying, they're healthy. But you know what? You leave them alone, they'll kill the whole body. They'll kill it. And it is a mercy to take them out. Even though they themselves are healthy, they're healthy cancer cells, they're healthy killing cells. Anybody here ever take an antibiotic? You know enough Greek, you know enough Latin to know what, you, what the words mean. Anti means against. Bio, like biology, means life. You know what the word antibiotic means? Something that kills something. Something that kills life. And is there anybody other than me that's ever had a virus that was really healthy on the inside of you that you wanted killed? I mean, I was right in the middle of this virus and it was having a good time. And it was reproducing itself in my nose and in the back of my throat. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need me some antibiotic. Kill that thing. Guys, this is is God's judgment. And I know that it sounds harsh to, to 2023 ears. But God doesn't do it lightly, and he doesn't do it when there's any chance of turning around. I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. So God and Abraham get together, 
And when the men, the angels, turn away, and so there's God, two angels, and Abraham standing there. When the angels turn and head towards Sodom, because they got to get Lot out of there, Abraham is still standing before the Lord. And Abraham takes a few steps toward the Lord and says, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Now, short sermon on hearing from God. Guys, there's a whole sermon in this one verse. Abraham, when the guys turned away, the conversation was over. When the angels left, the conversation was done. But what did Abraham do? Abraham stood there and he approached God. I'm telling you, if you want to hear from God, here's your sermon point right here. It's just the easiest, most simple thing in the world. Stop what you're doing and draw near. Abraham stopped what he was doing and approached God, even when the conversation was over. And I love what Abraham does here because it's really funny to me. I'm not going to read it all to you because it's long. I'll just tell it. But please, read the second half of Genesis 18. It's fun. Abraham leans into God and says, Now, Lord, suppose there was 50 righteous people in that city. You're going to wipe it out if there's 50 righteous there? And watch this, guys. Abraham continues. Far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing. And Abraham goes as far as to say, Will not the God of the entire earth do what's right? I don't know that I would have said that to the Almighty. I should be like, but they're friends. They're, they're close enough. I told a story in first service, and, and it's the truth. Guys, my daughter, I, I didn't mean to, but I ruined a human being. She has my sense of humor, and she's just ruined. God love her. She's, she really does. And I'll never forget, once we're in the car, and I am just down the country telling her, okay, you are not going to do this anymore. As long as you live in my house, we are not going to, you are not going to act like this, you're not going to say this, you're not going to do And just, she knows my sense of humor. And she cut it straight to the chase because she could. She knows me. She's close. She looked at me out of a clear blue sky. I'm just ha letting her have it. And she goes, Daddy, you're at a 10 right now. I need you to be about a 2. I just cracked up laughing. I couldn't do anything but laugh. I was like, I said, I'm trying to be serious here. And she said, I know, Daddy. I'm listening to you. But I, you're, you were just at a 10. I need you to about a 2. And so that Shelly running sound, she, she told me after the first service, same, same story, different child. Her child is about a good foot taller than she is, Doug. And she was giving him down the country for something. And just, she was right, and she was correcting him. Just telling, And all of a sudden, in the middle of her telling him, he picked her up and threw her over his shoulder. I'll put you down when you calm down. And it was like, she said, I just got tickled and just started laughing. Guys, you can't do that without relationship. You can't do it. And Abraham is saying, will not the God of the whole earth do what's right? And I'm just going, yeah, you are, you are close to God. So they get all the way. Now get this. They go down to 45, 40, and Abraham is the whole time going, Lord, I know I'm just dust and ashes, but I'm going to talk a little bit more. I just want you to hear. And then the next time he asks for another number, he goes down to 30. Lord, I know that I, I don't want to make you mad. I don't want to make you mad, but would you go for 20? Lord, let me speak just one more time. Would you go for 10? Hey, God, I am positive, guys. Now, this ain't in the Bible, but I'm telling you, I'm just about positive that 
God walks away from that conversation with Abraham and he leans over and gives Enoch an elbow in the ribs and he says, Gabriel, Michael, come here. Did you hear that? I love that guy. I love it. Did you hear him? Shall not the God of the whole earth do what's right? And Lord, I know I'm just dust and ashes. He was laying it on thick, wasn't he? And then, oh, don't get mad, don't get mad. And I'm just like, guys, why did God have that conversation with Abraham in the first place? Because they were both coming from the same place. Both of them were merciful at heart. Abraham knew God enough to know that God's merciful at heart. He wasn't convincing God to do something God didn't want to do already. God, did, How many of y'all know God, you cannot push, he's, he's not manipulatable. But he allowed himself to be talked down because he wanted to be talked down. And he just was like, I love that guy. That Abraham is just crazy, isn't he? I just love that guy. And all through the Bible, Abraham is called the friend of God. Why? Because hanging out with God makes you more like God. It happened to Abraham. It happened to Moses. Moses was an angry guy. God, every time Moses shows up in Scripture, he's mad. He, it's anger that you see in Moses. And yet, when we get to a place in, in the wilderness where God says, get out of my way, I'm going to destroy all these people. It's not angry. How many of y'all know Moses got outdone with the children of Israel himself? Moses got had enough. But when God says, get out of my way, I'm going to destroy them and start over with you, Moses. Moses doesn't speak as Moses. It's the spirit of Jesus that comes through his words. Moses says, Lord, if you've got to kill somebody, kill me. Let them live. Guys, that's not Moses. That's Jesus. That's the real heart of Jesus. Showing how did the heart of Jesus get in Moses? He hung with him. Guys, it happens that way all through Scripture. Simon Peter turns into more like Jesus by hanging with Jesus. Even unbelievers like Cornelius. And how about this one? Saul from Tarsus, who was working at killing Christians, turned into more like Jesus by hanging with Jesus. Guys, the, the point of it is, God wants to be your friend, wants to spend time with you, and all right, let, let, me, let me put this in a way that we all can grab a hold of it. It's about the difference in our motivation. The difference in our motivation. Sadly to say, most people in my experience want to hear God speak when they need provision or direction. Most people really are interested in hearing God talk when they need something or they need a decision. God, am I supposed to take this job or not? Am I supposed to quit my job? God, am I supposed to marry that woman? God, am I supposed to? I, I need direction. And so I seek God when I need provision. God, I need a healing. God, I need money. God, I need help. God, I, or God, I need direction. I need to know what you're going to do. Hear me say, those things are valid. They are good. But if that's the soul motivation for you talking to the Almighty, you are missing three-quarters of your relationship with God. You're missing three-quarters of what your relationship with God could be because that's not what the whole thing's about. And hear me say, God says, I am your healer. I am your provider. 
I am your redeemer. I am your forgiver. But how many of y'all know that's not all he wants to be? That's not all he wants to be. Let me put it to you in a way you can really grab a hold of. The Bible says, Isaiah, Ephesians, Revelation. The Bible says we, the church, the called out ones, we are the bride of Christ. Amen? You buy that? That one day. What's the first thing that happens once we all get to heaven? Marriage supper of the Lamb. Finally get to big wedding and we get married. It's a marriage supper. Which means that when you give your heart to Jesus now, you're engaged. Follow? You are not married yet. We get married when we get there. But we, not me individually, we as the bride of Christ, we are engaged. Well, the Bible says you're engaged. It does. The Bible says you have an engagement ring. It does. I ain't read that part. Well, you don't read it in Greek. It would help to read it in Greek. Look at what Ephesians says. Before we read this scripture, I just want to know, what's an engagement ring? Promise? An engagement ring is a commitment. It's also, what's the ring itself? It's a thing of value. It's a thing of real value. Most people give a diamond. A thing of real value. Why do you put the ring on the girl's hand? To show that she's engaged. Who? Who are we showing? Everybody. It tells every other guy, "Mm -mm, off limits, mine. It says, I'm coming for her. I may not be married yet, but she ain't available. She's mine. I'm coming for her. And I'm coming for her to take care of her, to love her forever, to be the guy in her life. I am coming for her. And I put this ring on her, a thing of incredible value, to signify to her and to everyone she is spoken for. Now let's read the scripture. When you believed in Christ... He identified you as his own. Are you seeing it? By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. And the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. I hate English. The reason I hate English here is because this word guarantee is always translated guarantee or earnest. And it's not... How many of y'all know God doesn't put us on layaway? I put down the earnest money, so I... No, it's not earnest money. This is not a contract thing. This is a heart thing. It's not earnest money. It's an engagement ring. Here, I want to teach you a Greek word this morning. It's a great Greek word. Arabon. Say it. Arabon. Now, of the rest of you who don't ever say anything in church, say Arabon. 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 The Holy Spirit is God's Arabon. That he will give us the inheritance he promised. It's the guarantee, it's the arabone that he has purchased us to be his own. Well, if you go to Greece right now, I'm not talking about biblical Greece 2,000 years ago. You go to Greece right now and you ask a young girl who's engaged to show you her arabona and she'll go, it's my engagement ring. That's what they call an engagement ring, is an arabona. The Holy Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit is of inestimable value. And the Lord puts the Holy Spirit on our hand in our lives 
as the engagement ring for the marriage that's coming. And it means the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is what means I belong to somebody already. Already belong to them. And they have promised they're coming back to get me. And when they come get me, we go and live in the house he built. And we go in, and he's going to take care of me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to... And guys, marriage is about more than just pay the bills. When I married Rebecca, I became a better person because I... Boy, I tell you, I just, she did something on the inside of me. And I did something on the inside. She just blossomed because there's somebody just loved me like that. Guys, we are engaged. Now... Let's get down to the heart of why we talk. Because there's a great example in this, in this scripture that you got to see. Anybody here ever been engaged? Anybody here ever been engaged? Come on, raise your hand if you've been engaged. More than five minutes. <laughs> now let me ask you. Let's go for the guys first. Guys. If you're engaged and you pick up your fiance and y'all are in the car headed to a date and the entire conversation becomes, okay, now, George, I'm going to need you to pay for this and I got a dress and I got flowers and I got this and this needs paying and we got, a, we got the venue and we decided we we're going to split that between our families but I need your part of it and I need you to pay for this and, and take care of this and this. And have you... Right, have, you, have you got the guys? Have you signed up the guys? Do, we, do they have the tuxes done? I need you to do this, George. We're having a wedding here in just three months. I need you to fit. Now, you tell me, if that was all your girl ever talked about was what she needed you to pay for and what she needed you to do, would you have a couple second thoughts about that relationship? That's not what I got engaged for. Let's put it on the other hand. What if you're the girl and you get in the car and the first thing out of his mouth and everything out of his mouth is, okay, baby, I need you to take care of this and I'm going to need you to change this about yourself and I'm, this is how I want your hair for the wedding and this is how I want you to do this and no, I don't like that dress. I want to do this. If everything was direction out of your fiance, anybody here not up for that? If everything was, I need you to pay for it. Now, hear me say, guys, as Rebecca's husband, I love her and I'm happy. I'm willing to pay for stuff. But that is not my only function in her life. And as my wife, she is willing, and so am I. We are willing to take direction from one another. We had this marriage, wonderful marriage retreat, and there were times when it was, I need this. I need, and we have to be able to talk about these things. And I, but guys, if all there is in your relationship is direction and provision, that's not a marriage. If that's all there is, if all we ever talk about is, I need you to pay for this, or I need direction out of you, tell me what to do. Do you know the best times of my, of my engagement? Rebecca and I get this, guys. I told somebody this yesterday. We were blessed when we were engaged. We were blessed with poverty. We were dirt poor. Which meant we didn't have money to go out to eat. We didn't have money to go to movies. We didn't have money to go anywhere. 
You know what we did? For five months, I'd pick her up, we'd drive around, look at houses, and talk about one day. No, I don't like that. I like that. What do you like? You like this house? You like this? We, as kids, we drove up, we'd go to the furniture store with no money and talk about, well, one day when we get a house. We were blessed with poverty because poverty meant we had to talk. That's all we, had, that's all we could afford was just time with each other. But what a blessing. What a blessing. And guys, I'm here to tell you, if the only... This is why motivation, this is why we're going for the whys first. Because before we get to how will God talk to me, how will I know for sure, those are secondary issues to why do you want to talk to Him in the first place? If all it is about is provision and direction, it's not the relationship He died for. It's not, it's not what it could be. And hear me say, while God loves you enough to fall all over Himself, providing for you and giving you good direction, He wants to be more than your sugar daddy Santa Claus or your master. Guys, Jesus longs to not just have you be at His feet as a servant. He longs to, to pick you up and clothe you and relate to you as a fiance. He's given us an engagement ring, the Holy Spirit. He has initiated a relationship with us. But it's not just to save us. It's about so much more. Would you, would you stand with me and bow your heads for just a minute? We're not going to take a long time with this because it's, it's pretty simple. But guys, I want to open these altars for just a moment. And if there's any of you here that, honest to goodness, you've, you've never started. You don't, you don't have a relationship. And you're like, Pastor, honestly, if, if I could have a relationship with God, if I could talk to God and know that God hears me and God would talk to me, yeah, I would love that. Guys, the Bible says it's so easy. You just ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. You turn from your way and turn to His way. You ask Him to forgive your sins, wipe you clean, and start a relationship. Is there anybody here, as all our eyes are closed, as all of us are just, just in this moment, is there anybody here that says, Pastor, pray for me. That's where I am. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my heart. I see that. Anybody else? Anybody else, guys? If you need to get in this, get in it. Anybody else? I don't want to just belabor, but I also don't want to rush past. And then the second part. Is there anybody here that you have related to God with provision and direction and you really long for something more. You really, if he would talk to me, I really would listen. If, if we could have a, a, a better relationship, a deeper relationship. Pastor, I want it. I just don't quite know how to get to it. Anybody like that? Anybody want to raise a hand there and say, pray for me, Pastor? I see that. I see that. Yeah, guys, hands going up all over the place now. Guys, we're going to open these altars, and I'm going to ask that our staff...
our elders come forward to, to pray with folks. And if you want to solidify this decision, we're going to open these altars and give you a chance. And then we're going to pray together and we're going to be done. That's, that's all we're up to. But if, if you were one of those that said, yeah, me, Pastor, you want to pray with somebody, these altars are open now. Take just a second. Like I said, I don't want to labor it. This is a pretty simple message. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Want to just step out and pray together before we dismiss in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Come on, guys, let's all pray together. Father, we love you. And Lord, we desire to get into the kind of relationship with you that you died for. Not just a provide-for-me relationship. Not just a give-me-direction-when-I-need-to-know-something-from-you. But God, I want to know you more. God, I want to be closer to you. God, I don't want to try to have to figure out what you're thinking. I want you to just be able to talk to me about it. God, when things don't go the way I wish you would do them, Lord, I want to be in a relationship with you where you could just talk to me. God, I don't want to try to have to figure you out when your word says that you'll talk to me like a friend. So help me, God. Help me, Lord. Lord, I open my heart, I open my life to you. And I ask you, this week, God, start talking. And I promise you, I'm going to do my dead level best to start listening. In Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.